You are listening to Revolver Podcast. Welcome to Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing. I'm film critic Gary Cogill, and today a double feature, the outrageous, irreverent, intentionally vulgar, <laughs> R-rated, adult, animated sex comedy about food. It's called Sausage Party. And the award-winning documentary, it's about a New York politician who just can't stop himself. Wiener, as in Anthony Wiener. And I'm wine expert Haley Hamilton Cogill, and I have to say I wasn't very impressed by either of the films this week, though I can certainly appreciate what it takes to get them made. So we'll be pairing two different wines that seem to match each topic perfectly, and I might get a little political with them. Wow. Promise? Hope so. <laughs> so let's talk Sausage, sausage Party. <laughs> we both sat through Sausage Party. In fact, we uh, we did a nice walk to the theater. The best part of Sausage Party what? was the Bloody Mary at the Alamo <laughs> Draft House. <laughs> it's a good way to start a movie called Sausage Party, which actually, we I think we went to an earlier matinee, and it was pretty full. Yeah. It was a pretty full theater. So here, here's some background information on, on Sausage Party. It's a Seth Rogen film, and, and of course, it's got a whole bunch of really good people in it, Edward Norton and Christian Wiig, and it's all their voices. But it's about, a, it's about food in a, a grocery store, and they believe so much that when they get bought and put in a grocery cart and checked out and go out the door that they're going to Nirvana. It's the, it's They're going to their happy place. Yes. It's, uh, the groceries are singing songs. <laughs> they have a, a morning song every day, and they can't wait to get chosen. And, of course, it's a big Fourth of July picnic. They think they're all all the wieners and the buns are all going to get chosen. <laughs> and, and, see, as I talk about it, I think it's kind of funny. It's so sweet. The film made has made $70 million <laughs> so far. It's a very basic animation. Um, it's, it costs somewhere around $19, $20 million to make. But it's done $70 million so far. It's going to hit $100 million at some point. And uh, I'm, it all comes crashing down once they find out what really goes on outside the door. So what you have is this movie about food that everything about it is sexual. Every, everything, every, <laughs> every joke reference. you can make about a sausage and a bun are actually in the movie. And then take it to the 10th degree. It's also a film that has this weird little examination on religion that what you believe is not really true. Mm -hmm. We believe, you know, our faith says that when we get outside the store, we're going to meet our maker and it's going to be heaven. And no, they're going to get eaten. And they're, well, yeah, yeah, they just think they're going to have a lot of sex. And in yeah. reality, yeah. Yes, they just so, so you have Seth Rogen and his buddies all sitting market. around 10 years ago, market trying to uh, dream up the dirtiest little animated sex comedy about food that they could make. And so I, I get all that and I understand. I'm just going to say it's one of the worst films of the year for me. And I'm ready for an outrageous, really funny, irreverent, even overly – all that stuff yeah. appeals to me if it's done well. And I think a lot of people like movies because they're different, not because they're good. And a movie, just because it's different, doesn't mean it's good. And this is one of those examples to me. Uh, the late Gene Siskel with Siskel and Ebert, he loved any movie that was different. It didn't have to be good, and he would always give it a good rating because it's so far out of the mainstream. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Roger used to bug him about that. And I that really bothered me because just because it's an art film or it's an, a raunchy comedy doesn't mean it's good. And I've liked Seth Rogen stuff in the past. Yeah, absolutely. But this one just – I didn't – I wanted to laugh so hard – Pardon the pun. I just sat there and I really wanted to laugh, and it's it it just fell flat to me. And I'd listen it was, it was to people like, in the audience laughing, and I'm going, "Is that? That's not funny." Well, comedy is arbitrary, yeah. and so what makes one person laugh doesn't make the other person laugh. And we're all right, and we're not the only opinion on this. Obviously, people like it, and they're going, but I think they're going because it's different. And I, I, there's a lot of people that sat through that movie that walked out going, 
what was that? Yeah. What the hell was that? It just didn't work for you at all, did it? No. Not even in the- <laughs> no. It it it's not. I'm I'm not that audience. I I'm not the demo. So I, what is the all. demo? Is it? It's like junior high. It's it's it, junior high school humor. It's like grab ass humor. And, well, it's grab ass humor, but it's also extremely art, extremely yeah. dirty. I mean, it's an intentionally well, and I have dirty. No, I have no problem with with it being dirty. That's that wasn't in that. It just it it wasn't. It wasn't funny. It just wasn't funny. It also, just wasn't done well. It looks like, and I'm just going to accurately say, just from knowing Seth Rogen a little bit. I mean, we're not buddies or anything, but it looks like it's a complete stoner movie. Well, like if I was 21 and stoned and watching this movie and can't wait to order more French fries at the Alamo Draft House, I I would probably think it's kind of funny. Maybe. And so that I that leads me into the perfect wine pairing because what? I can't that wait was, for this. Well, that was kind of the whole thing. You had to wonder how high every every producer and writer on this film and and probably people making the film were I'm going to say pretty high. to to do this because they they one they reference it a lot and yeah. and that's the kind of humor it is. I think if you're completely stoned then you think this is hilarious. So my wine to pair with it this week is weed wine. <laughs> so there. Um, Wait, there's 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 marijuana wine. There, there. Melissa Etheridge, Grammy Award winning songwriter, um, singer, has uh, started a company with Greenway Compassionate Relief, which is a med- medical marijuana dispensary in Santa Cruz, California. Okay, I get that. And um, she, it it basically infuses marijuana into into fermenting grape juice and and it's you know I haven't tried it I am I am I am high on life as I like to say it's so um, and I'm not a prude I just it's not my thing um but it seems to be something that a, that there is certainly a, a rage for, and she can only sell it in California. It's very tiny production, and um, I think if you go to her website, you can learn more about it. Uh, you have to have a a medical marijuana card, okay. in order to in order to actually purchase it. Um, supposedly, the 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 smoky Syrah has never been quite so, so smoky. <laughs> so let me wrap my head around this. So it's alcohol can get you high, but the weed in the alcohol can get you high and high. I I assume so. I assume so. Well, and I think that that's kind of a thing. I know that we've we've read many stories. We of- should try this before we talk about it. <laughs> I don't have a medical marijuana card, and I don't live in California. No, Darn that's, it! That's a moot point. I know. Yeah. Um, but and I think that there is kind of this this thing both of us have read a lot about. I think in Colorado and in Washington, where there are there are high end dinners being created around cannabis, right? And and then a lot of people they're pairing cannabis with food, with food, yeah. and 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 having a whole kind of pairing experience. And I think that that's kind of a uh, some of what's happened is a lot of people are falling asleep in the middle of their meals. <laughs> well, it's been documented. I think I saw a CNN story yeah. and, and uh, that people were actually near the middle to the end of the meal were falling asleep with their head on the plate, and Uber and taxi services were 
going through the roof because all these restaurants had to call and send people and send home. People home because they could because you know, because they were they were they were enjoying their um yeah edibles has never been quite so so um liquefied i guess is in weed wine is there a is there a i don't know i, I don't know the answer to this question i don't is there a lot of infused wine with Things other than well, you can certainly have like an eau de vie, or there. I mean, grappa. All of there's so many different. Yeah. Like you can add um, different herbs and 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 flavorings to different. Um, but we don't have basil wine. Do um, we? You could probably. You know, I had a chamomile grappa in um, in Piemonte. I don't know, ten years ago, yeah. and it was. So floral and lovely, and and you think about it, you know, there's elderflower liqueur, and there are certainly all kinds of different, um, you know, different flavorings and spirits. Um, so get, sure, I, I think I get that on a spirit. I even get that maybe on a dessert style sure. wine, but on a a cab or a well, shard and you think about what the Syrah. basis for like Fernet Branca and and um, some of these kind of digestives. That's yeah. essentially what it is. It's what Rocky is. It's yeah. what it's what Uzo is. Um, so there's certainly that. I do want to say though another little 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 bonus if say you don't if you don't live in California with a medical med- medical marijuana card then mm-hmm. um there's something that I found. Sausage um, party. Well, and I'm just curious to try this out. You know, we're up in Willamette Valley a lot and so if you are are in Willamette and you prefer to keep your weed and wine separate then there's a company um that I'll have I'll put a link on our blog for um, that you can do you can do a, a tour that starts at a it starts at a dispensary a, a marijuana dispensary in Newburgh Newburgh Oregon Newburgh Oregon and then you go to a quote unquote premium Dundee Hills winery where um, as their website says not only will you get to taste wine but you get a bonus food platter so you get snacks <laughs> you get snacks and you can't you, you can only bring cash it's a and weed and wine tour it's a weed and wine tour and you can't bring your own weed you have to buy the weed cuz mm-hmm. i assume they're getting a cut of, of and it's whatever. cash yeah. and it's cash only um so we'll have links and details. On so I think this blog. is so much fun. We sat through a movie that we both really can't stand. Uh, I understand somebody else laughing at Sausage Party, and then it's a <laughs> weed and wine tour, and it's weed and wine. I, I just think it goes so well together. Hey, when we come back, a Sundance award-winning political documentary that I found absolutely fascinating, also found disturbing. It's appropriately called Wiener. Welcome back, everyone, to Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing. Let's talk about Anthony Weiner. Uh, Sausage Party was the first half. <laughs> Weiner is the second half here. I think it's a great documentary. It's about his political political life. It's about his sexting scandal. I, I, I remember watching this in the news. You know, of course, if you don't know, he's former um, Congressman Anthony Weiner, from, a Democrat from New York. Seven-term Congressman. Seven-term Congressman. And he, and he ran for mayor and uh, was running for mayor a few years later. Uh, after his sex, after his sex scandal in 2011, the initial one in 2011, where he was sexting pictures of his private parts to women and he's also married. And, and I learned a lot about Anthony Weiner in this. And of Mm -hmm. course they do every Weiner joke imaginable and they show every cover of the New York Post magazine, which has 
every Wiener reference. They're very funny. Yes. And so I, it's I kind of like Ryan Lochte's right now. <laughs> so it's kind of like Ryan Lochte. So we're watching this documentary, which won Sundance. It ran, won the Grand Jury Prize at it's Sundance. It's a great documentary. Yeah, I think it's, it's one. It's a of, really well done. I think doc. it's an Oscar level documentary yes. actually, and it's one of the better political documentaries. I don't know if it's the best ever made, but it's really really good because you're watching a, a man who's a train wreck. You actually you're watching a man who's passionate about politics. In fact, he's fiery about politics. He's so he's so good. It's that's sorry. Go ahead. No, no. I mean, I I agree. I think he is good, and he's interesting to watch. And he's and he was so passionate. He, he had so much. He seemed like he was doing so much for for the city of or for the state of New York for yeah. the city for his yeah. congressional district. I think so too. And he's also married to Huma. Yes, uh, who works for the Clinton for yes, the Clinton. For yeah, Hillary. Uh, Huma Abedin, and uh, has worked for Hillary for years, and much as high profile as he is, but she plays a background role within the Clinton administration. And it's been interesting watching their dynamic as a marriage because they have a very young child. Right. And so, which she was pregnant during first scandal. And I'm just going to say, watching the film, and I'm, I'll, I'm learning all this by watching the doc, so I could be off on some of these things. But you have a man who's very driven political. Politically, you have a woman who's prefers to be behind the scenes, but is very powerful in her own right. Absolutely, and she doesn't she say much. Woman. She doesn't say much. Says a lot with her glances, mm-hmm. and by not saying anything, she actually says more. Uh, Anthony Weiner can't stop talking the entire movie, uh, uh, not only about himself, but even about the people of New York. But uh, and then you kind of see this train wreck happen, and you're a part of it because he allowed this camera crew. By the way, one of the directors of this film worked on his campaigns. And was around him a lot anyway. So he allowed this access. And so when you have the political scandal and the sexting scandal all happen at one time, two years later it resurfaces and is run for mayor, um, he allows that camera to stay. Well, it's interesting because you almost wonder, so was he – did he have this person in there filming him because he was going to be a great comeback story? I think so. And then all of a sudden, he just can't help himself. That's how great documentaries happen because the thing you set out to film usually ends up being – almost a little bit less than what actually happens. And what actually happens is is he goes through a whole nother sex scene scandal. And one of them is some girl who wants to be a porn star. And they're, I guess, having phone sex and he's sexting. He, they show some of the photos, but they black them out. They don't really show all the sexting photos in this dog because it's devastating yeah. to the marriage. And and you don't need to. I no. thought that that was good. You didn't need to no. put everything out there. So the movie's really it. troubling. I mean, it's it's like watching an episode of Veep. That's <laughs> that's real. That's real. And <laughs> and just when you think that show Veep is not real, watch Wiener. <laughs> because there's so much going on behind the scenes and you know, they're all just kind of posing and pontificating and trying to set themselves up to win and do all these different things. And it's a lot of the behind the scenes stuff is a little disturbing, but he can't help himself. He, he is an, he's an addict. He, he has, he has this big flaw in his life that negates everything he says. That's good. I think he's a narcissist. He, is he's he? a complete narcissist. Yeah. I mean, that's the, the, if you, if you have this success and you cannot, he he just couldn't help himself. He had to have so much attention on him all the time, and and at you're right at the the cost of his his poor wife, you know their small child. Mm-hmm. How how she uh, she must be a saint. She must be a saint. But I also think she is very strong and very smart, and she is not going to let somebody else define who she is. I think so too. Her. And yet she stays, and as part of that. 
I don't think, I'm not here to judge her, and I'm not here to judge him. But man, he's a mess, and she's a saint. Well, yeah. I, I totally agree. Yeah. yeah. It's really a great film. I mean, you're watching this stuff happen, and I'm not out to watch a train wreck. I'm out to see what actually happened to this guy, and, and you know, the, the movie really says it. Well, and I think halfway through, you said, you know, when you stop realizing that you're watching a film, and you, you really feel like you're a part of it, that's a sign of a great... I think I said to you about 30 minutes into this watching this documentary, I, I'm so engrossed in this yeah. that I forgot where I was for a few minutes. Yeah. That we're sitting on the couch at home watching it, you know, on yeah. pay-per-view. Yeah. It's it's fantastic film. Wiener. Yes. Uh, yeah. The double feature here. So if we're talking about Anthony Wiener and we're talking about his train wreck and his, just the whole narcissism of the whole thing, I, I have no idea what wine. Well, and it's interesting because this person is... Um, I think a complete narcissist who had great potential and just couldn't help himself. Um, and, and, you know, I, I do actually know a lot of, I, I think we both know a lot of people like this. We know um, I've certainly met winery owners who are like this, who, um, who maybe let their ego and desire get in the way of their own potential. Um, but I don't speak poorly of anyone um I, I prefer not to name some names. Okay. So instead, I will pair this documentary with the narcissist that I, I will I will pair one narcissist with another narcissist who might be slightly more of a narcissist than Anthony Weiner, and that yes. pairing is Trump wine. Trump wine. Trump wine. <laughs> Listen to you. <laughs> well, and you know, I haven't had the Donald's wine um, because I prefer um, not to support anything that may put another dime in the supposedly well-lined made in, made in China pockets. Yeah. It bothers so you. Yeah. I, I am. I will not drink Trump's wine, but I will say this about it. And if you are interested in in, I'd like to know a little bit this about particular his wine. wine yeah. um, so. Um, it's a Virginia-based wine um, made in the Blue Ridge Mountain AVA um, near Monticello, so the the Blue Ridge Mountains region, um, not too far from D.C. Um, the winery is well known for their sparkling wines. Um, it's which makes sense because that's a little bit cooler climate, so yeah. you can get some great acidity, which is which you need for. Um, for a really kind of refreshing, light, sparkling wine. Um, the Donald's son, Eric, is the president of the winery and kind of the face of the winery. Is there a logo of the label? Um, yeah, it's Trump. It, it, it looks, looks like the airplane looks, they drive around it in? It looks like every every name on a building. <laughs> it's And, and you know, good for him for, for being the business mogul that he is, that he has one other business that he can put his name on. So we live in Texas. I've never seen a bottle of Trump wine. I, I, I know it's out there yeah, from hearing sure. you now, but— have you seen a bottle anywhere? Yeah, yeah. you can buy I mean, it in anywhere. You can't. You, I think you could probably buy it on their website. Yeah, on their website. But um, it's not like we're, you go into. I'm a, not seeing distribution for it. I've never been into a steakhouse in Dallas and seen Trump wine. And I probably not yet. Or nobody's tried to sell I, it yet. Um, I'm sure. Yeah. I don't know how large the production is. I, I, I know some Virginia wineries aren't aren't making very much wine. But is this a small AVA? Um, well, the you Blue know, Ridge Mountains? Virginia's kind of growing, and I think that that is where one of that's one of the kind of leading regions within the state. So I think a lot of wineries are are within that that particular area. One because it is in kind of a good proximity, and it makes sense with Monticello being there because mm -hmm. you get a lot of tourists and that sort of thing. Um, so it's 
so I'm, I'm, can I paint a picture here? We uh, say we go back and we revisit movies every once in a while that we really love. So I want to go back and watch Wiener, this documentary again. Can we order Trump wine, have it sent, and no. uncork it and watch Wiener? No. Because <laughs> again, I will not. Well, here's the thing too. Well, another, I will not pay a dollar to. There you go. <laughs> but that's my own. That's that's my own personal political opinion. I hope I haven't offended anyone. And if if you would like to order the Trump wine, baby, I want you to. No, but I understand. But here's. I'm a, just gonna go and drink a really good, you yes. know, Montrachet instead. Well, I don't. I'm not, and I'm, I'm. I haven't had the wine, so I can't say it's a bad wine or a good wine. But I'm not going to intentionally drink something that I don't know is good. Mm-hmm. You know, at, at that point. Plus, I love the idea that Huma is married to Anthony Weiner, and we're talking about oh, the yes. other side of the political spectrum here. Y- yes, we are. The wine. Isn't that fascinating? Sausage Party and Weiner. Man, I've been <laughs> looked forward to this week, and it turned out to be better than I even thought. Hey, uh, when we come back, uh, a couple questions. Uh, Haley has one for me. I have one for her. And Wine and Film, a perfect pairing, will continue. Welcome back, everyone, to Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing. So it's been fascinating today because <laughs> we talked about Sausage Party and we talked about the documentary Wiener. Both decided that Wiener is actually a really good film. It's a great film. It's just disturbing that we both agree that Sausage Party is not. But I, I like this part of the program where we get to ask each other questions. So what's your question for well, me? Well, one thing in, in watching Wiener um, that I did appreciate, and I and I think I just appreciate um, our relationship and, and a lot of, of what we do love to watch, especially um, at home kind of flipping through, is just watching great documentaries. Mm-hmm. So um, – but I think before we got together, I, I wasn't drawn to them as much as, as I am now. But but it seems like you are. Have you always had a great love of documentaries? Or kind of when did that happen? You know, it goes way back. And I, I don't think it goes back to when I was 10 when I saw Lawrence of Arabia. But when I became a young adult and started connecting more and more with films. And then when I became a film critic and spent 24 years with the ABC affiliate in Dallas, you know, you review everything. You not only review mainstream films, but you review art films. And then you not only review art films, but you do documentaries and you do animated films and foreign language films. So, you know, at 400 films a year, I'd get 20 or 30 documentaries in there. And then when you start attaching yourself to the Oscar nominated documentaries, they, they're all great. Right. They're all really good. And years ago, one of my early recollections was a film called uh, Gates of Heaven. It's an Errol Morris film, and Errol Morris uh, is one of the champions of doc. He did Thin Blue Line. But Errol Morris made a film called Gates of Heaven about people that own pet cemeteries. And it's one of the most fascinating films about the whole subculture of people that have cemeteries for pets and the people whose pets pass away and they come there for a funeral. And you get to know these people, and half of them are terribly eccentric. But he never makes fun of his subjects. He's really smart about movies. And then there was a, a movie called Gap Tooth Women, narrated by Lauren Hutton. And Les Blank made a whole bunch of really good films. And I'm a gap tooth guy. And so it, it's about women, all with gap in their teeth. Half of them are not famous. Uh-huh. They're just people on the street. And it's a, he made a film called Gap Tooth Men later on that wasn't nearly as good. But I started looking at films. Werner Herzog made Fitzcarraldo years ago. And then, and then a few years ago did Grizzly Man. 
And he's a, a, a stunning filmmaker and, and makes really good major films and then also documentaries. And then Michael Moore, uh, before that, Barbara Koppel. Barbara Koppel did a film called Harlan County, USA. And she was a female who won an Academy Award 25, 30 years ago for, you know, about minors on strike. And it's mm. really interesting. In fact, you're going to find that a lot of the really good documentary filmmakers are, are women. Nice. Uh, and they're interesting. And they're really good and really smart about what they do. There was a film called well, there, Man mean, on Wire came out it's and great it knocked me out. Yeah. Well, and I think that's I was going to bring that up just because then it it went on to become an actual feature film. Yeah. In addition to called The Walk. Right. Yeah. So it, it Robert Zemeckis have film, a yeah. have a lot of docs kind of turned into to narratives. No, I think a lot of people make docs in order to turn them into narratives, and they don't happen. But no, most of the really great docs are such. Uh, a powerful thing to spend three to five years with that they don't want to go on and do something else with it. And a lot of these, I mean, uh, Enron, The Smartest Guys in the Room, which was uh, a Magnolia Pictures film. Mark Cuban was part of that. Magnolia does a lot of them, it seems. Magnolia Magnolia released, um, or did Enron, released um, um, Man on Wire. Mm -hmm. And then we've seen 20 Feet from Stardom. Which is great. And Searching for Sugar Man. A hero loves su- or yeah. dreams of sushi. Yeah. These are all fantastic great. films. Great, just great. So, uh, so my question for you, and, and yes, the answer is, uh, I'm as interested in a great documentary as I am in a great feature film. Uh, they're all the same to me, and when they're good, they're really good. Well, and it is. I think it's one of the best ways, truly, storytelling. And and I think you're right, which which you said a little bit ago about you know the the film that you thought you were going to make maybe doesn't end up. Mm-hmm. How you you know as it is or what it is, but well, like the making of a murderer. Oh on, yeah, on Netflix. Like how do they have all of that footage created by women? Those are two women that directed that. And and it, you know when you get this amount of material and then it morphs into something else, and you're there when it happens, just like in the Wiener documentary. Right. You're there. You've got something bigger than what you set out to do. So you talked about Trump earlier about Trump wine, and you said that the Trump wine was known for their sparklers. Sparklers. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. But let's talk about champagne. Okay. So I've seen you around with a book. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's it's we I've I've been kind of flipping through it electronically. So yes. Yeah. And um, so you've been reading a, a book about yet. champagne. It, yes, and I'm I'm really excited, and finally something I'm I am excited to to talk about today. <laughs> so um, there is a new book that's coming out in October. So it's not out yet, but it'll be available in October. Um, I think it's like $30 by a guy named David White. It's called But First Champagne, A Modern Guide to the World's Favorite Wine. And mm. I actually had a chance to travel with David last um, earlier last year. Um, he was on my Bordeaux trip. Really, really good guy. Um, was founder of the Terroirist. So not the yes. So terroir. <laughs> terroir yes. because terroir is basically the French term that's kind of the 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 how to how to grow the perfect grapes. You have right. to have slope of the land, you have to have climate, you have to have elevation, all of the kind of things that go into making great wine. Um, and he knows his Bordeaux. He really knows his champagne, and I'm so I'm I'm so excited for him and proud of this book because it's you know champagne is kind of one of those drinks that that everyone every winemaker in the world loves. Most people can appreciate. You know, it makes me sad sometimes when I hear that people just want to drink champagne on their special occasions because champagne can be enjoyed 
with everything from Mexican food to hamburgers to, you know, great. We would have it every day at our house. To caviar, exactly. And and there's so much that goes into the production of a perfect glass of champagne from, from the grape selection to the blend to the aging and to the bottle aging and that second fermentation and the yeasts that are used. Um, so, and that's kind of uh, what uh, David d- deals with within the course of, of this book. And um, it's about Champagne's history um, from the wines to the region to how it's the marketplace is changing and, and how, how do some of these older Champagne houses stay competitive. Interesting fact also is that Moet Hennessy owns so many of them and, and so many of them are under one uh, kind of wine house, which, you know, from Vouv to Dom Perignon to Moet to, you know, so on and so forth. And and it's really I'm really excited. I'm I'm proud of him. It kind of, like I said, it comes out in October. It's called But First Champagne, a modern guide to the world's favorite wine. Knows his stuff. I think it's going to, you know, I hope it does really well for him. So in David's world and your world, because you share the same world, um, do you find that champagne producers are as passionate as they are as Cabernet growers Absolutely. or Cabernet makers? I'm going to say probably more so because the the how to how to make great champagne it's you you rely on mother nature as much as you rely on on technique as much as you rely on on consistency and and then the payoff is so good cuz you get all those little bubbles you know what can be better and the nuances i think there's so many nuances in in champagne from something that's very young to some of these very very old late disgorged you know wines to then ones that are aged within the bottle that that um just that change so much from from vintage to you know when a when a champagne is is deemed good enough to actually be a vintage year champagne which um, doesn't happen every year most of them are just a non vintage wine which is kind of a more of a house style um, but that's also kind of one of the most exciting things when 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 a, when Mother Nature gives you great juice and and something that's so special that you'll actually make a vintage year champagne. That you know that what can be more exciting? One thing I've learned from you is uh, recently we've had two things. One is a brand new bottle of champagne, really young. Open it up, pop it open, big pop, lots of bubbles. <laughs> it always tastes um, a good one. Tastes really fresh, very fresh, high acid, and really clean right there. But if you open up an aged bottle, an older bottle that's been around for quite a while, there's a whole different mouthfeel to it. And in an odd, wonderful way, it's more elegant. Oh, of course. Is that I, always true? Well, I would say I think that you you, you get those kind of nuances and the, the delicate layers. Um, and then you do start to get just the, the inherent characteristics of, a, of an aged wine. So instead of um, ripe or fresh green apple, you might get more kind of, of, of dried apple or, or honeyed kind of, you know, or, or, yes. or baked apple kind of notes and some of those things. And I think that's what makes it, what makes wine so special. And not all, champ- like all wines, not all champagnes age well? Um, I, no, because some of them are meant to be enjoyed young, whereas yeah. some are, are meant to be, you know, some you can put away and, and enjoy. Yeah, I, I, I would never match a champagne that I know and love with Sausage Party. Thank God. No. 
I would with Wiener. <laughs> well, and you know, it might be it might be appropriate just to um, get the 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 film out of your head. Just yeah. you know, like I said, the Bloody Mary was the best part of. Sausage well, the nice Party. thing about uh, wine and film, a perfect pairing, is that we get to move on and do other things yes. all the time. So there are more movies around the corner, including next week, a tearjerker called "The Light Between the Oceans," starring some really wonderful award-winning actors. Haven't seen it yet. We'll see it soon. Michael Fassbender, Rachel Weisz, Alicia. Vikander, yeah, who's fantastic, right. from the director of Blue Valentine, and also did a film called The Place Beyond the Pines, makes very difficult films, yeah. Difficult, but really good. Both of those mm-hmm. films are great. Yep. Um, so look forward to that. But for more on any of these wines and films, I know I said I'd put lots of links on <laughs> on our blog. Yep. So check out our blog on our website, cogillconsulting.com. Visit us on Facebook and be sure to follow Gary on Twitter at Gary Cogill. And to see what we're drinking now, follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Dallas Uncourt. And with that, I'm Gary Cogill. And as usual, I'm looking for the next great film. And I'm Haley Hamilton Cogill. I'm always in search of a great glass of wine. Join us next time on Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing.